another encounter with uh, Jesus as we're walking through the the Gospels, and it uh, pertains to a boy and his lunch that he gave to Jesus. And uh, this is a very familiar story. But before we read that uh, Gospel account, you know, the English language is um, sometimes very difficult to understand. I feel sorry for people who are trying to learn. They speak a, a language other than English, and they're trying to learn the English language because oftentimes it can be tricky, and words mean different things. And let me just give you a couple of examples. One is, if a vegetarian eats vegetables, what does a humanitarian eat? We ship cargo by truck and send cargo by ship. We park on driveways and drive on parkways. We have noses that run and feet that smell. How can a fat chance and a slim chance mean the same thing while a wise guy and a wise man are opposites? You know, whoever invented the, the English language, you know, well, other than God, needs to be uh, committed to a verbally insane asylum. But uh, it is a difficult thing to comprehend sometimes. Uh, this morning, we're going to be uh, looking at uh, Jesus having fed uh, the 5,000. And uh, in a minute, we're going to get into a word. I, wa- I want to point out a word, uh, see if you can p- find the word that Jesus didn't understand or didn't embrace or, or comprehend. And uh, we'll look at that in a moment. But when we look at um, Jesus, this story of Jesus having fed the 5,000, this is the one miracle of Jesus that's in all four gospel accounts. I didn't know if you know that, or knew that or not, but uh, it's the only story that's a miracle that's in all four gospel accounts. And why did God give us four different gospels? Um, you know, that's a that's a good question because. Uh, <clears throat> The reason why, one of the reasons why he he gave us uh, four gospels, it, because it lends uh, lends weight and and strength and v- validates what various authors are saying about Jesus, uh, makes what they're saying more believable that it actually did happen. Now, let me give you an example. Present day, suppose Arturo over here came up to me one day and said, Bill, there is an elephant running around Ridgecrest. You know, if Arturo is the only person who's come to me and said, there's an elephant running around Ridgecrest, you know, I would look at Arturo and think, you know, maybe I need to drive him to Bakersfield. Maybe there's a place uh, that I could house him for a little while. But then... If John Gilliland came up to me and said, Bill, guess what? I saw an elephant running around Ridgecrest. Well, I would look at John and think to myself, well, I have room for two people in my car (laughs) and get them to Ridgecrest. 
<laughs> you don't want to go with, I'm sorry. You have no choice. <laughs> but then, you know what? If, if Eunice and Cindy White came up to me and said, there's an elephant running around Ridgecrest, I would be more apt to believe that there really was an elephant running around Ridgecrest. And that's why we have four different Gospels. You know, in in uh, New Testament and Old Testament, in order to convict someone or um, acquit someone, there had to be two or three witnesses uh, that gave similar stories. And so in the Gospel accounts, we were reading this um, story today that is rather unbelievable. And if one person had just said it, well, okay, that's pretty amazing. But but because it's God's word, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lend credence to it. But all four writers of the gospel confirm the same thing. That's what's happened in our story today. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, we're gonna read. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. This is is Trona, Jesus. And the day is now over. Send the crowds back away, back to Ridgecrest, to their villages, and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. So no, who knows how many people Jesus fed in this story. It could have been upwards of ten to 15,000 people. And uh, God fed them with one little boy's lunch. Did, do you notice the word that Jesus doesn't uh, understand or comprehend in, in this passage of Scripture? It's... Um, it's found in in um, in verse seventeen. You want to? Anybody want to venture to guess what the word, one word is? The only word he doesn't comprehend. Only. Only. 
that was nothing to Jesus. You know, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, Philip who, 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 uh, said, or Andrew that said to Jesus, we, we only have this boy's lunch. And, and Jesus said, bring it to me. It doesn't matter. Whatever you have, bring it to me. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning because, uh, when it comes to trusting God, you know, the disciples were looking at this situation from human terms exclusively, not supernatural terms and what Jesus could do. And they had watched Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. But here is one situation that in their hearts they're thinking that is beyond God's ability. And Jesus says, bring the little boy's lunch to me. I want to talk about three timeless messages uh, that we see in this passage of Scripture <clears throat> about Jesus. The first message, timeless message, is this. I want us to see the compassion message. Because in this passage of Scripture, Jesus cares about not only these people's needs, but he cares about all our needs. Now, understand the the text here. The Bible says in verse 13, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew there in a boat to a desolate place. What did Jesus hear? Jesus heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had died. The man who prepared the way for Christ, the, the, the man whom Jesus said there's no one greater who has ever lived, was beheaded. And Jesus was grieving. And Jesus in his heart says, I just need to get away to a desolate place and just kind of refocus. And so he, he departs. He departs with his disciples and he goes to another part of the Sea of Galilee, a northeastern part of the Sea of Galilee. And when he arrives on that portion of the shore, the people along the shore apparently were following him, were seeing him, and were wanting, running to where Jesus was going to land. And so here Jesus is exhausted. His disciples are exhausted. They've been on a missionary trip, okay? And so he just wants to get away with his disciples. And so he, he pulls up on the shore, and here is ten to 15,000 people waiting for Jesus. If I were Jesus, and I were in that boat, and we were rowing this way, and we saw what we were coming upon, I would say, guys, let's row backwards, <laughs> Let's go find someplace else, but not Jesus. Exhausted, spent. The Bible says that Jesus taught them. Jesus taught them all day. He taught, taught them what the kingdom of God was like. The Bible says that Jesus also healed the sick. I mean, people were there with infirmities. They knew what Jesus was able to do. And and they came to Jesus and Jesus 
healed them. And it was, he was illustrating this is what the kingdom of God is going to be like for all eternity. Jesus cared for their needs. He saw the, the emptiness of their lives spiritually and taught them. He saw their infirmities and he healed them. And he also saw that they were hungry and fed them. And that's Jesus. And the gospel writers are wanting us to know that not only did he care about their needs, but you know what? He's the same God today. He has not changed. I heard Brendan uh, last night, we had the missions committee met with uh, Brendan at uh, the restaurant last night. And he talked about visions and what people see in their visions. And someone had uh, mentioned to them that uh, they saw Jesus as uh, the what John the Revelator says in Revelation chapter 1, that this is how they saw Jesus. And, uh, and we looked at that a few weeks ago. And the fact that uh, the same... The same Jesus in Revelation chapter chapter 1 is the same Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And in both those accounts, the disciples were scared, were afraid, and they fell to the ground in fear. And Jesus, in both of those accounts, reaches out and touches them touches John in Revelation, touches the disciples in, uh, in, on the Mount of Transfiguration and says, do not be afraid. That's our Jesus. And he wants us to know that he cares about our needs. He cares about where we're at spiritually. He cares about where we're at physically. And he cares about where we are at um, emotionally. He cares about us. The second message, timeless message of this story is the faith message. And in the faith message, there are times in our life, friends, when Jesus asks hard things of us because he is testing us. Here were the disciples. Jesus had been teaching the multitudes, this crowd, all day. And now it's beginning to get dark. And the disciples are growing concerned. And they come up with a brilliant idea. They go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you need to do this. You need to send them away. You know, you can just kind of imagine, you know, that they know the answers at this point. You know, because this is, this story comes on the heels of great success that they've had. Uh, before feeding the 5,000, Jesus had sent the disciples, the 70, away to go minister. And God had done supernatural things in their life, and they have come back on a spiritual high. Jesus has heard the news about his cousin, they get away to another shoreline. Um, here, Jesus has been teaching all day long. And so the disciples know what to do. 
I mean, God has used us now. And so we're going to tell Jesus a few things. And they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you need to send them away because there are no in and out burgers around here. There is no resources. We have no resources. So send them away. But Jesus doesn't do that. <clears throat> he saw the disciples and he was, he knew that they were looking at this problem through, um, physical resources, that there was a lack of food, but Jesus saw a bigger problem, a lack of faith. And so he gave them a pop quiz. You ever had any pop quizzes before? You know, when you go into a classroom, you know, and uh, it's a surprise, and the teacher tells you to clear your desk, except for one sheet of paper, and you know what that means. There's going to be a pop quiz. Well, Jesus was giving his disciples a pop quiz, but there was only one question on this test. Well, Jesus gave them instructions first. Okay, Jesus told the disciples, you feed them. Their answer was, send them away. Jesus, and Jesus, I'm not going to send away. You feed them. And Jesus said that because he was testing them, the Bible says, in John chapter 6. Jesus knew what was in their heart. This test wasn't for Jesus' benefit. This test was for their benefit. <clears throat> he wanted to show them just how much faith they really had. And he wasn't trying to shame them with this question. He was trying to strengthen them. And friends, God is at going to ask us to do hard things over and over and over again. It's there to test us. And in that testing, he is there to strengthen our faith and who he is, wants to be in our life. Look at James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Jesus is going to give us pop quizzes over and over and over again. And there's only one question on the pop quiz. Do you trust me? Do you trust me in this current situation? And you know, when we grow when we we continue to be faithful in our walk with the Lord and those tests continue to pop up, we do come to a point where we can consider it all pure joy because we know that it's through the test that God is going to strengthen us, help us to persevere through the problem. How do you approach a problem? The disciples, 
certainly had a problem. They wanted to send the crowd away, and Jesus says, no, you feed them. You know, oftentimes when we face those problems, we, we face them in three different ways. Uh, for some of us, we feel the problem. We, we, we are feelers. And you know that uh, when people face a problem emotionally, they're going to answer that. Or they're going to talk in terms of, well, I feel this is what we need to do. You know what? I'm a feeler. And unfortunately, in feeling, oftentimes that feeling leads to fear. And that fear paralyzes. And I allow fear and circumstances keep me from trusting God and passing the test. For some of these disciples... They were feelers. I mean, they were looking at the multitudes. They realized that there are no resources around here to feed them. And so they come to Jesus and they're panicking. We need to send them away, Lord. Then there's others that approach a problem. They're not feelers. They're thinkers. And they analyze the problem. And they do the math. And uh, they work out the formula. And guess what? Their formula, their, their solving the problem is accurate. They've got the right answer. Impossible! But they leave God out of the equation. But, but there are some people approach problems and they're just totally analytical. I mean, they've got their spreadsheet, they've got their charts, and, uh, and the, you know, they've just got it all figured out in their heads. And it's, I call this, uh, the paralysis of analysis. And some of you engineers know what I'm talking about, amen? And that was, that was, uh, that was Philip. You know, Philip, he, he he said, you know what? Not a year's worth of wages, Lord, would be able to feed all these people. And, you know, Andrew comes with uh, this little boy's lunch. He's got five buns and two fish ticks. And, uh, you know, they begin to analyze, well, if we divide this out among 15,000 people, everybody's just going to get a little crumb. No way. And they leave Jesus out of the question, out of the equation. Their math was right, but they failed the faith test. We need to include Jesus. They forgot to include Jesus. And so there is the compassion. <clears throat> Message. There is the faith message. We need to trust the Lord when we're faced with a problem. And then number three, there's the abundance message. And the abundance message is this. When I give, give Jesus all my only, he turns my little into much. 
we have here in this story only five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus doesn't grasp the word only. He hears five loaves of bread and two fish. And he says, bring them here to me. And they bring their only. And their only is enough for Jesus to multiply into plenty. If there was anybody in the crowd who approached the problem differently, it was Andrew and this little boy. Now, they didn't have all the faith. You know, Andrew just kind of saw this little boy's lunch as only. But they brought all that they had. Andrew brought the little boy's lunch and gave their only to Jesus And that was enough. When it comes to pop quizzes, church, Christian, God doesn't want us to approach our problems with feelings or thinking. He wants us to approach our problems with faith. He wants us to be faithers. He wants us to trust him. If there, if there's anybody who had a close encounter with Jesus in this passage of scripture, it was the little boy and it was Andrew. Can you imagine the little boy? He gave Jesus all he had. It was only five loaves and two fish, but he gave all his only to Jesus. And I would have loved to have seen the look in that little boy's eyes as Jesus looked up to heaven and he blessed that bread and he broke that bread and he multiplied that bread. Wow. Look what Jesus is doing with my lunch. Church, when it comes to problems, challenges, God wants us to be people of faith. That Now that doesn't mean we don't use our heart and we don't use our mind, but we've got to add Jesus to the equation. Jesus doesn't understand the word only. He just heard five loaves and two fish and said, bring it to me and see what I will do with it. What's paralyzing you these days? What test has God put before you? And you've been trying to solve it, resolve it through your heart or your mind. And you haven't brought it to Jesus. God wants us to be people of faith. The the third message is the abundance message. As as they brought 
there only to Jesus. Jesus did something supernatural. And he wants to do the same thing in your life as well. This was Paul's prayer for the church. If you go to Ephesians chapter 3, Jesus prayed for not only the church at Ephesus, but he prayed for us as well. Because he knew what God could do in people's hearts and minds if they trusted him. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God can do far more than what any anything you or I could possibly imagine if we just trust him with our only. In church, God's bringing us to a point where we need to trust him with our only. I'm going to be honest with you this, this morning that um, I've been paralyzed in in my faith uh, as I've been leading this church. And, you know, we've talked about expanding this chapel to seat more people, for us to come together as one and reach more people for Christ. And I've heard the price tag of what it's going to require to expand this. We're not even talking about building a new building, just expanding the seating capacity within this room. And when I hear $2 million, I start thinking about this problem right here. And my heart goes pitter-pat, and I grow fearful. The church, there's going to come a moment where we're going to have to stand, stand, step out on faith and believe God that God's going to provide. And I don't know how God's, well, I know how God's going to provide. It's going to be through us. I don't know how long it's going to take for God to provide. That's, that's God's problem. But God wants us to be faithers. God wants me to be a faither. And trust that he's going to provide for the resources necessary to expand our seating capacity here because we need more seating. Church growth experts tell us that a church will not grow beyond 80% of its seating capacity. We're at 80% here in this room right now. We have people who are sitting in the dining hall during this service. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, you know, after this uh, eight-week series is over, we can go back to two services again. We can have our traditional service, and we can have our contemporary service, and everything's hunky-dory. You know the problem with that is? We're two churches. And we're content. We're content with, with our little venue here, our, our little venue here. And it's just, you know, we're content with, with how my needs are being met. I don't believe God wants us to be two churches. 
I believe God wants us to be one church. And I believe with all my heart there is a way that we can worship together that will honor Him. Because our worship, our song service, it's not about what I like or you like. It's about who He is. And we are worshiping Him. I know I'm stepping into some muddy water right now. And I love every one of you. But I'm kind of tired of accommodating everyone's preferences. I believe God wants us to be one. And I've allowed my feelings to get in the way of trying to solve this problem. Jesus is going to provide. And he's proved it over and over and over again. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we get stingy about everything else that we need to um, help resource. You know, I mentioned uh, Garen and Susan Harris needing a truck in, in Togo. I think I've heard the price tag of $25,000. I heard Brendan and Stacey last night talk about how they need to raise $13,000 for a car uh, for them to have in Turkey because they walk wherever they go. They, Stacey has to walk a mile to uh, the grocery store. How would you like to walk a mile to the grocery store with three children? Thank you. You know, I hear those figures and I think... God, we need to do that too. And yet we got this two, $2 million price tag over here. And, and I begin to get selfish and think to myself, you know, that well, we don't need to be addressing these other needs. We need to be focus on, uh, focusing on this need. Again, I'm a feeler. And it leads to paralysis. Some of you are thinkers, and you're thinking through all this. You've got your calculators out right now, and you the answer to your equation, your math problem, is impossible. I understand. There's only one question on that sheet that Jesus gives all of us. Is do you trust me? And all of us individually, we can only contribute our onlys. But Jesus doesn't understand only. Jesus wants us to give our all to him. Because he's worth it. And in the eyes of the world, it only looks like a little boy's lunch. But then Jesus says, watch me. Multiply it. So I've kind of borne my bore my heart this morning. Didn't know I was going to do that, but I needed to do that. Let you know where I'm at, so you can pray for me. Pray for the elders. You know what? This I don't think that this is necessarily all the elders. Um, um, position. I've kind of influenced this.
They're more faithful than I am. And I have to stop that. But you pray. You pray about what God would have us do. But I want to conclude with uh, this poem that kind of um, birthed this, this message. The little word only. It's this. I considered my little, and God said to me, Child, what do you mean by saying only? It was only a word that created all that you see. It was only some clay that brought you to me, to be. Only a staff that parted the sea. Only one man who set them all free. Only a young shepherd who took down a foe. And there's a lesson to learn that I want you to know. It was only a stable and only a girl and only a carpenter who changed the whole world. So it's not what you have, but my strength, you see. And I can do miracles with your little only. Let's pray. All four Gospels contain this miracle. God, there is a message that you want us to grasp. And there is a principle that you want us to live by. Jesus, we know that you care. You not only cared for them, In Matthew chapter 14, but God, you care about us. You know exactly where we're at this morning. God, you want us to live by faith. Forgive me for my lack of faith. God, I know there are people in this room who are feelers and thinkers. They've come to the conclusion that it's impossible. God, help us to be faithers. And as we live the life of faith, God, may we know that you are the God of of abundance who multiplies and it's not just monetarily it's far more it's far beyond that it's in ways that money could never buy that was Paul's prayer for Ephesus and us God may we as your people see that come to fruition I don't know how you're going to provide for Garen and Susan a truck that they desperately need in, in Mongo and Brendan and Stacy an automobile in Turkey and for us a larger seating capacity so that we can be one 
reach more people in this community? I don't know, but God, you do. And you want us to trust trust you with our only. God, do something supernatural among us that only you can get the credit, only you can get the glory for. Thank you, God, for calling us to be one in this place. To roll up our sleeves and to to work as hard as we can and and being and giving you our best, but God, trusting you that you're going to take our little that we do and accomplish and multiply it for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. In Christ's name, we're going to stand in just a moment and we're going to have a hymn of invitation.